It's Wednesday, and on Wednesday, I wear pink. This is where the money is. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Reef, and welcome to another edition of Where the Money Is. It's Wednesday, which means I'm wearing pink, but it also means we're talking healthcare, and today I'm joined by fellow fool Todd Campbell. Todd, through the magic of the internet, it's great to see you. That's wonderful to be here. <laughs> You're not really here, Todd. Don't, don't falsify <laughs> information for the people. Come on. <laughs> it's um, wonderful not to be there. There you go. I appreciate that. Uh, we've got plenty to get to today. Uh, we're talking about a bankrupt Dendrian, uh, a very happy Gilead. But we begin, as we often do, talking about Obamacare. And yes, it appears the debate about Obamacare isn't quite over. Uh, Todd, there's a recent court ruling actually here in D.C. Uh, taking issue with some of the subsidies provided to people who have signed up for health care coverage at healthcare.gov. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, this is big news, potentially very big news. It's happening right across the river from Fool HQ. Mm -hmm. uh, the, what's, what's at stake here is the subsidy payments that are being given to people who are enrolling for health care insurance through the healthcare.gov marketplace. So what we're talking about here is four words that are in the Affordable Care Act legalese, if you will. And the way that it's written is that the IRS can issue subsidies to people who sign up for insurance through exchanges set up by the state. And it's the by the state that is the sticky point. So, you know, essentially what is being challenged here is can the IRS give uh, insurance subsidies to people who go to healthcare.gov and get their insurance? Um, that's going to be a very, very interesting finding by the Supreme Court. Absolutely. Now, just to give me an idea, because I don't know too much about this, how big a deal is this for healthcare.gov? How many people are signing up for subsidies uh, through a state exchange, or instead of a state exchange, excuse me? Yeah, you know, there were about 8 million people that signed up for uh, health insurance through the exchange program during the first open enrollment. About 5.5 million or so of those people um, signed up through healthcare.gov, and of those, about 90% get subsidies. So we're talking about between four and five million people um, that may see a very, very big jump in their monthly premium payment. You know, you have United Healthcare and WellPoint and um, Aetna all offering plans through healthcare.gov, and the subsidies are reducing the cost of those plans from 300-ish to less than $100 per month. So in many cases, you could see a tripling of the monthly payment if the Supreme Court determines that, yes, indeed, uh, the IRS does not have the ability to issue subsidies to healthcare.gov enrollees. So, Todd, to continue our conversation that definitely wasn't interrupted for the last hour, uh, let's talk about what this all means for insurers like United Health and WellPoint. Absolutely. This is a big deal. I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of uh, members that signed up through the exchanges. You know, WellPoint signed up about 700,000 people. Um, Aetna signed up about 600,000 people. And, you know, that translates into hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, now, granted, the margins on these products aren't high. I mean, people are thinking that it'll be around 3%, but you're still talking about millions of dollars of potential impact. So these insurers are going to have to hope that either states decide, hey, you know, we'll set up our own uh, exchanges to do an end around um, on whatever decision comes out, but, but that's you know there's no guarantee of that either. I mean, when mm -hmm. Medicaid um, became an opt-in 
Only 25 states signed up for the first year, and now it's just up to 28. So you could definitely run into a situation where Mary in one town is paying less than $100 a month in insurance for insurance, and her brother Bill in the neighboring town across the state line is paying three times as much, assuming that he can even get insurance. Huh. So yeah, this is going to be a big impact. Okay, definitely plenty to think about. But let's move ahead. Uh, we've got plenty to get to anyway. Um, let's talk about Dendrian, which just went bankrupt. And this blows my mind. This company had a market cap over $7 billion. A couple years ago, people were talking about it as the future of cancer treatments. Uh, what happened to Dendrian? Uh, it's, it really is kind of a shame because it casts quite a cloud, but it's a, it's a great reminder of why investors need to really approach every small cap emerging biotech company with uh, without rose-colored glasses. Hmm. I, you know, Dendrion has a great drug. Provenge is a great drug. It works. Um, it makes, you know, they make three to $400 million a year, $100 million a year in sales off of it. Uh, but the reality is that their, their expectations, I guess you'd call this possibly one of the most mismanaged situations in the course of the last you know, five years in biotechnology. Hmm. Their expectations were so high that they took on so much additional expense that there was just no way at this run rate of sales that they were going to be able to um, keep the boat from sinking. Right. And this is entirely a move that is to satisfy the $600 million plus that's sitting out there in liabilities on their balance sheet. And unfortunately, it's the individual shareholders who are going to pay the price because either Dendrion gets spun out as a new company, in which case all of the common stock is canceled that existed before, uh, or it gets sold and all of the money that gets made from the sale goes to the debt holders. <laughs> so this is just another great reminder of why it's so important for investors to have a lot of different viewpoints coming in um, when making decisions on whether or not to own stocks. Absolutely. So what do you think is more likely? Is someone going to step in and buy all that debt up, or are we just going to see the end of Dendrium? It's pretty cheap. I mean, if you can buy it for $300 million, um, that's that's not bad, uh, especially if you are in a, a large company and you're already selling maybe a prostate cancer drug in the marketplace, You know, in which case a player like J&J &J, um, might jump into and, and pick it up. Um, well, who knows? I, I don't think that there's a good outcome either way. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess that's a good way to put it. Um, let's wrap things up with the American Association for the Study of Liver Diseases, and they just hosted their 65th annual meeting. <laughs> Can't believe I didn't get my invite. Um, but they are probably talking about Gilead's newest drug, Harvani. Harvani or Harvani? Harvani. Harvani. And it's the Harvani, new. Harvani, Harvani. We'll uh, tomato, tomato. You, no matter what you call it, it cures, basically cures, hepatitis C. Oh, first of all, what's that going to mean for Gilead? How big is the hep C market and how big a chunk is Gilead going to take now? Yeah, probably the most important takeaway for investors here is that this is a massive market. Mm. Three million people here in the U.S. have hepatitis C. Wow. And there's 150 million people globally infected with the disease. Now, when Gilead got Savaldi approved last December, everybody knew that that was going to be a blockbuster drug. It had cure rates in the mid-90% range. It was a drug that you could take for 12 weeks in a single pill a day. I mean, it was a great drug. Um, but Harvoni is even better. <laughs> You've got a drug that now cures 
virtually everybody who takes it. We'll call it high 90s, up to 99% effective functional cure rates. Wow. Um, and, and consider this point. In the first nine months of this year, Savaldi generated $8 billion in sales for Gilead, treating 117,000 patients. That's it. 117,000. <laughs> how, 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 million people. how expensive is that drug then? It's a, this is going to be a pricey drug. This is $94,000 plus wow. for the 12-week treatment. For, now, for Harvani? Yeah, okay. for Harvani. That's right. up ten grand from what it was for Savaldi. So right. it, it's, it's not a cheap drug. And there's going to be payer pushback. I mean, there are Medicaid departments who are nervous, very nervous, that all of a sudden their budgets are just going to get eaten alive mm. by the amount of money that they have to pay um, for this drug. Um, so you are going to see probably a a slowing of the of the flood, if you will, in prescriptions for these drugs. But that really doesn't dent the market uh, impact that this could have on profitability for Gilead next year. I mean, this is Varney's going to be a multi-billion dollar drug that's wow. going to continue to generate significant sales for Gilead next year. But, you know, what's interesting, Mark, is that this wasn't the only compound that was chatted up at the liver meeting. Uh, <laughs> oh, had, no? No, shockingly, there were others. And, um, you know, one of those, well, actually a couple of those are addressing not, hey, I can cure more people than Harvoni because once you've reached 100% cure rate, you're really not going to do much better than that. Um, But, hey, I can do this. I can work as well, but I can do it in less time. Mm. So now it becomes an issue of, hey, I can take treatment and get cured in 12 weeks or... I can get treated, and it'll only take me six weeks. So that, I think, is going to be the next battleground for market share in this space, is figuring out who can get duration to the smallest number. That's interesting. Okay, so so back to Gilead. What happens to Savaldi then? Does Savaldi just kind of get phased out now that Harvani's on the scene? Savaldi takes on a new life. Um, Savaldi is going to be... um, Gilead worked out some deals with some generic manufacturers. They're going to start producing Savaldi for sale in other markets outside the U.S., where a lot of those 150 million other people happen to live, like mm-hmm. Africa, for example, or India, etc. Um, so that's one way that Savaldi will continue to exist. Um, and then there's also competitors like Achillian uh, who are researching combining their own Hep C drugs with Savaldi as an alternative to taking Harvoni. So. There could still be life after Hervoni for Savaldi, but I would just assume that it's going to be, compared to what it was this year, a rounding error. The real story <laughs> in 2015 is going to be Hervoni. Okay, so happy, a happy story, obviously, for Gilead, too. Yes, <laughs> and for patients. <laughs> you know what? They're probably pretty happy as well. 99% cure rate, not too shabby. Not that at all. All right, Todd, thank you so much for being here, man. Mark, it was great to be here. All right. That's it for this edition of Where the Money Is. We'll see you fools tomorrow.